Hello, welcome back to How to PhD episode number 21. Now, you might think posters are just for conferences or you haven't yet completed any studies, so it's not very useful for you. But actually, the whole method can be very valuable at any stage of a PhD, whether you've done research or not. This week, we'll be showing you how it can be valuable and taking you through the practical essentials of poster design. Hello and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in again. My name is Aaron and I'm joined this week by my co-host and award-winning poster designer, Julia. Hello, everyone. And yeah, I, I think um, some people don't enjoy making posters, but for me, actually, I enjoy it and use it. Yeah, it's quite a creative way um, of expressing your research or communicating your research. And I quite like playing with art with that and it gives me a break from just writing um, yeah and, yeah hopefully we can give you some useful tips today it's been a bit of time since we last designed our posters but before this episode we were just looking through some of our old ones and like julia has some incredible poster <laughs> designs which side note we will have in the show notes at how to phd yeah, i mean there are things show. that i would change now if i would do it again but yeah maybe hopefully there can just be uh, like yes. some inspiration and then you can have a look and see what you like what you don't like about it and um, hopefully that help will help you design your own posters yes but we'll get into that a little bit later on so let's take a step back and ask what is a poster now uh, essentially it's a summary of a particular study or perhaps uh, an overview of your research that's used at conferences and symposiums um, and they come in many different formats so you can have electronic posters you can also have paper posters um, you can have posters alone on a wall at a conference um, or you can be standing next to it and presenting it um, and some of this we talked about in our conferences episode um, but I guess Julia the point that we want to emphasize and we sort of alluded to this in, in that first point that I said was that really posters are not just valuable for conferences right yeah, so I think personally that they are also quite useful. And um, for example, if you're preparing for your Viva, so you could maybe try and um, do a poster about your whole PhD to kind of have a one page big poster um, presentation mm. of um, the key points of your PhD. Um, and also um, for everyone who just started their PhD and maybe you haven't conducted a study yet, a poster can still be really useful. And in fact, the first award that I got was um, for a poster on my research plan. So I was in the first year of my PhD and I hadn't conducted any studies yet, but I presented yeah, just my plan um, on a poster and it really helped me to get valuable feedback on my ideas. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think if there's an opportunity for you to present in your department, then definitely use it even if you haven't um, done any studies yet. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the key thing with this method is that it puts you into that mindset of forcing you to think of your research in a very condensed mm, kind yeah. of way. So which is useful, not just for conferences, but overall in your PhD. So four key things in this episode, and we're going to kick things off with an overview of what are the key things in poster design. So let's have a rundown of what are the key things for poster design. So I guess number one, Julia, is thinking first, and actually this is true for any time you're engaging with other people on your uh on your research is to think about who the audience is right yeah and again i think that was really um what helped me getting the award was um that was a symposium um where postgraduate students or phd students are presenting 
that work from very different um, backgrounds. And I think what I try to do is to make my poster really accessible and easily understandable for everyone, whatever background you are. And um, I try to like avoid any jargon and we're gonna yeah, give you more tips on that. But I think, yeah, think about your poster being accessible to the audience that you're speaking to. If it's quite a specialized conference where you're presenting, then you can use um, more jargon and, um, yeah, so make it user-friendly, whatever that means in the context that you are presenting at. Yes, and I guess the, um, you know, it's effectively like a, it's a design interface challenge, right? It's it's how do you communicate with people in the most user-friendly way and, yeah, avoiding jargon and creating things like good accessibility is really important. The other aspect that you need to consider, and again, we will go into a little bit more detail with how this relates to the design a little later in the show, but is to think about whether the poster is going to be presented by you, you know, in which case you sort of make sure that the poster can can be used to support what you're saying, similar in concept to a kind of PowerPoint presentation, right? Or if the poster will just be on its own in a conference hall, right? And 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 you won't be there to kind of take people through it. Um, and in which case then it might need a bit more text and it might need a little bit more thought put into its design so that someone walking up to it can be led through it without you being there right yeah. and this is this is another important consideration really really early on is to identify whether this is going to be the case because that's going to really uh, guide a lot of the design that you end mm. up um, that you end up doing and you know effectively you know what you want to do is by thinking about these things uh, is that you come up with a user-friendly design meaning that you know you follow very kind of simple and very well recognized design principles which we're going to talk about a little bit later because yeah, often they just say like make it look nice or we will um, judge it based on how it looks like but yeah what does that actually mean and hopefully we give some more specific advice in this episode yes how we can achieve that we're going to be telling you what look nice actually <laughs> means uh so those are the kind of key things to consider right before you open powerpoint or word or whatever you're going to be using to design this before you open that think about these key questions who's the audience and what's the poster how is the poster going to be presented then you need to be thinking about the content of the poster which is what we're going to talk about next so let's talk about poster content and i think this is a really important place to start. So again, once you've considered those questions of audience and poster presentation is really begin to think about what's the minimum information that you want to have on the poster, right? If you're presenting your research design, if you're presenting your plan for the PhD, if you're presenting a specific study, or if you're presenting your entire doctorate, what is the minimum information that you need to have, right? So identify those really key messages that you want to provide with people and, and think about when someone who has no idea about your research, when they're coming up to that poster, you know, what do you want them to understand and what do you want them to take away, right? And really think about the key messages. And what I would do is really open up a blank document. Again, we're not designing anything yet. We're not going into actual design mode. We're still really just in a kind of bare bones drafting skeleton document kind of phase and just write down these are the messages that I want someone to take away from from my research and again this is where the value of this method comes in beyond just conferences because this is the exact same thing you want to be doing when you're preparing for your viva right this is these are the key things that you want to emphasize when an examiner is asking you a question or if you're presenting it uh, in a different way you know what are the key messages and, and get these written down isn't that right uh, Juj? 
Yeah, and I think then um, once you have like the key messages and the key content written down, I think about the title um, and again, think about the audience, how um, much lay language should you use or can you use any jargon in the title? Um, and yeah, keep it probably as short as, as possible. And then I think don't forget, of course, to put the author names on the poster, maybe the funder, the department. And I think what is really important is that your contact details are on there, because if somebody um, looks at your poster Mm -hmm. and you're not there at the moment, then and they want to get in touch, have a question or want to find out more um, or or connect on a research um, issue, then they can contact you through email or Twitter, whatever you are happy to put on there. I think just, yeah, social media nowadays, where every conferences I've been to recently it's really been quite important to have some kind of social media presence because there's a lot of stuff happening on there so yeah. don't shy away from using your Twitter mm. um, or, to promote or your LinkedIn as well you could take a poster of you in front of uh, of you in front of your poster and then yeah. upload on Twitter and say here I'm pr- presenting today if someone wants to come by because I think that shows people as well that you're approachable and that you're happy to talk about your poster yeah. and um, yeah so it can be a nice way to connect with other people who are at the same symposium or conference yeah that's right. So, uh, and the other sections in terms of uh, background and results, what would you say is the, the kind of key things that the listeners should be taking away with those sections? Yeah, so I think the headlines are quite similar, um, like an abstract. So you have a background section. And again, I think here, really think about um, your audience. If people are quite familiar with your topic because the conference is quite specialist, then maybe you don't need that much background and can um, save the space for other sections. But if it's it's um, like, uh, like a symposium that is attended by people from various different backgrounds, then it's probably um, good to spend a bit more time or words <laughs> better, I should say, on the background section. And then you would have your objective of your um, research um, study um, or of your PhD if you're just representing a plan. And then the methods section. And again, I think if you're using quite a standardized um, method, so for example, a systematic review, and then you probably don't need to spend that much time on the math section. And I think that's something I would criticize about my post actually, um, which we'll give you as example. I think um, looking back, I think the method section is quite long. Um, but if you're um, using quite innovative method, then I think it could be really interesting mm, to yeah. uh, take a bit more space <laughs> for the method section. Then you have your results, which probably is the biggest section on your poster. And then maybe you have either a discussion or conclusion section, whatever fits best. So where you're thinking or presenting um, what the most important learnings regarding future research or in in comparison with existing research are. And um, also you should have the references. Um, I would recommend using Vancouver style. um, So where you just number the references because it saves a lot of space and makes it easier to read. And keep them to a minimum, really. Maybe just like three, four are typically enough for a poster. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you think, of, you know, a lot of these headings are what you do in a paper, right? It's, it, in fact, they are pretty much exactly the same. But I guess the key thing is, and again, what you sort of alluded to is when thinking about how much goes into each of these sections if you've answered those questions at the start you know who's the audience and what's the what's the key message you know if your key message is around the method then the methodology should be the the main chunk but if your key message is around the results then of course those need to be more emphasized 
you don't have, I guess, the luxury of all the pages that you'd get when you're writing a paper. So it becomes really important to like nail down those mm. key messages. Exactly. And a poster does not mean that you copy paste an abstract no, that you would yeah, write for a journal paper. Right. It's very different because you're thinking specifically about about the audience um, for the conference. Absolutely correct. So let's talk about design now and exactly what you can do in a practical sense to ensure that you get these messages across in the best possible way. So let's talk about poster design. Now, Julia, you had a good way of thinking about kind of the mentality to approach poster design with. Yeah, so I think about quite similar to um, how I design my CV, because um, in a training on CVs, I heard that employers sometimes just look um, a couple of seconds on a CV before they decide whether to read more about you or your CV or not. And so similar with the poster, I try to think, um, how can I catch people's attention in a short space of time? And um, I think what is really important that is that um, it gets across what the poster is really about and that it's quite clear from just looking at it briefly how it's structured, so where your eyes need to follow and um, what the main takeaway is. So I think that should be highlighted in the poster and we talk about more um, ideas about how you can achieve that in a second. Yes, yeah. So in terms of software, a uh, very common option is to use PowerPoint. And the reason for that is um, one, it's free and it's built in and mm -hmm. you don't need to download any sort of additional software. Um, and the other thing is compared to Word, it, the way it handles images is a little bit more intuitive um, than the way Word is set up on a kind of default basis, right? So you can change the size of the slide that you're editing in PowerPoint and you can do it and then, and typically you'll have a relatively easier experience than if you're trying to do it in Word, as I'm sure many of our listeners will appreciate how finicky Word can be sometimes. Um, and if you're on a Mac, then there's a fantastic program called Pages, which is made by Apple um, and it's free to download from the App Store. Very, very powerful tool, which is very easy to use in terms of layout. And we'll have some resources um, at howtophd.show in terms of how you can actually set up PowerPoint for exactly this purpose, right? Um, so in terms of formatting, now we kind of alluded to this with, with this resource, but this is the key thing is before you go about designing or adding things in, first set the size of the page that you're working on. So usually conferences or symposiums, they will say that the poster needs to be A2 size or A1 size or this many centimeters by this many, whatever the size is, get that set into PowerPoint. And again, this link that we'll have uh, at the show notes will tell you exactly how to do that. Uh, because the problem is if you if you don't get that size correct and then later on you're trying to maybe increase the size or decrease, all of these design elements will then have to be resized and it's it's not a fun process. So you want to just design for the size straight away. Um, and then this is where we're kind of touching on this idea of, of information flow, right? Especially if it's a poster that's standing by itself, is you really want to ensure that you're, that you're designing a logical order to the content. And typically, you know, the, the kind of best way to achieve this is by designing your content from top to bottom, left to right, okay? And so you can break it down into columns, you can have two columns, um, but within those columns it should go from top to bottom and you should go from the left column to the right column in terms of the, the flow of the content. And, and you can use numbering and uh, headline design to help the person viewing, but generally if you do those two things then people are going to be able to follow uh, exactly what your post is about. 
Yeah, and I think um, color is also very important. Um, maybe if it's just black and white, that is maybe a bit boring, but you also don't want to have too many colors. So maybe a maximum of three is maybe a good idea and try to use light text on dark background and the other way around. Because um, I think sometimes you see posters where you really need to squint your eyes or hurt your eyes when you look at it mm -hmm. because um, yeah. it's not a good, or that it's a good indicator that the color combination is not, not so good maybe. Um, and yeah, a nice way I think to use color is maybe to highlight the section um, which has the key information. So maybe the results section in a different color so that it really stands out and you can easily see what the key message of the, the paper is. Um, and yeah, then I think headlines are really important as you already touched on. So using the same font, the same color um, for the kind, kind of same um, headline. Um, yeah. Or how would you say, like section? Yeah, that's correct. Kind of yeah, headline. I think it's about yeah. The, the key thing is creating a, a, a kind of design language, right? Mm. And, and sticking to that. You know, headings mm. are this particular design. Content is this yeah. particular design, and being consistent with that. Mm. Um, and I think that really then goes on to this next point around accessibility, right? And um, you touched on the studio with with even just the color choices, right? I mean, accessibility in terms of color blindness, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, accessibility in terms of dyslexia uh, and using fonts that can be read easily. The, these are really important things. So for example, for uh, dyslexia then typically it's good to use a font which is known as sans serif right uh, or so how do you pronounce it, is it I'm, so not, I'm not sans sure serif. Uh, <laughs> anyway it's spelled s-a-n-s basically these are fonts like arial and uh vadana mm. calibri i think yeah you can have a look like you yeah, can just google, google the term and you can see but on the on mm. the other hand something like times new roman is a serif font and essentially what that means is that each letter has a kind of tail on the mm. end of it right which kind of gives it that kind of old school look but it can end up making it more difficult uh, to read for people who uh, may be dyslexic and mm. you want to be able to essentially design for that and in terms of color blindness as well you know consider how different colors contrast each other because if you take say red and green then there may be some people who see that as the same color and we will have links to resources which can help you through this but essentially there are websites which will tell you use this color and this color and this font and this is a readable uh, combination and and so if you do those things then you're going to be there's a there's plenty of help out there and, and do check out the show notes uh, for guidance on that um, and so really consider using just a maximum of two fonts you know perhaps you have a font for your heading um, which can be different to the main content that's okay uh, and then one for your main content Think about font size, right? Think about the size this is going to be printed. Yeah, um, we have as some well. resources for that as well, like um, yeah. recommendations for headlines, subline headlines, and so on. Yeah. But typically, I guess the headline will be the biggest, and then you go from there. That's right. Yeah, and of course, you know, you you uh, you don't need the poster to be readable from like you know five meters away or ten meters away. But mm. at the same time, you don't want them having to stand super yeah. close to it to be able to read but i it. think a good indicator is if sometimes you get the feeling that you because you want to have a lot of text in it and you're making this font smaller and smaller yeah i think that's not a good thing because you don't want to have that much text in there yes and um, i think that is really yeah annoying sometimes even in museums i notice that if they have huge like a lot of text in a really tiny font and i think that's not what it's about right you, you should like have a nice visual thing that's the Thing about the poster right you're yeah. not there to read a journal you're there to see something as that's well that's right to, to get the key messages out mm. um so yeah if you're finding that you're having to 
increasingly decrease the sec, uh, text size, you have to th then think about the content, go back yeah. to that first mm -hmm. question about what's the key messages and then kind of rejig yeah. re re yourself. Um, and we have some resources for icons and we've definitely mentioned this on the show before, but we'll say it again is flat icon, uh, which again, we'll have a link in the show notes is a fantastic resource for royalty free mm -hmm. images. You do have to credit them uh, in terms of a kind of small uh, sentence at the bottom mm -hmm. of the poster, but that's, it's a very, very simple, but essentially, you know, it, th these are fantastic icons that are designed for, for you to use freely. Um, yeah. But and again, I think you should not overuse them. I think if you yes. use them, use them um, to explain something that in, in shorter space than a text. So for example, um, if you use a, a search symbol, um, which I think is often used in design, right? So everybody knows, oh, okay, the that kind might of be the about... The magnifying glass exactly, thing yeah. for search. Yeah. Then I think people are like, oh, okay, this may, might be about literature search or research. So make sure that they are, yeah, they really help to um, get the message across faster. That's right, yeah. That's, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, you don't want to just be using it uh, for everything. But again, it can also help guide the eye, which you'll see some fantastic examples of in Julia's poster, which we'll have uh, I probably overuse it a bit, to be fair, my first. Maybe a little bit, but they do look, it does look really, really good. Um, and of course, I guess the final point on a, on a design perspective is, you know, you don't have to use up all of the space on the poster, you know, like this kind of what we'd call blank space or negative space, where you have basically no content is a really important structuring tool to help someone follow the poster. So, you know, don't be afraid of having bits that are blank. Mm -hmm. um, not every single, uh, you know, square centimeter on the poster needs to have content. You know, and in fact, you need to probably leave a bit space as well on the sides, right? Because if, if you print yeah. it, um, you want to make sure that all the content Again, is printed. Again, yeah, all right? of these mm -hmm. guidance on kind of what you'd yeah. call page bleed and the kind of minimum margins uh, will all be on the uh, conference website, mm -hmm. which again, yeah, Pay attention to all of those things when you're setting up the document right at the beginning. Mm. Um, but yeah, don't be afraid of white space. Mm. I think that's really important. And I think it's a nice thing to add photos or graphics um, onto your poster. But in that way, I think it's really, really important um, that, again, they add some value to it. So don't give me a picture and then don't explain to me what it is about. Mm, yeah. um, because I think that can be off-putting as well if, if you or there's a graphic and you don't understand really what, what it means so give some explanation um, to it or make it self-explaining um, yeah just think about what value did adding this photo or graphic what value did it add that's correct so let's give some final tips I think QR codes are always um, a, a really increasingly becoming mm. um, accessible. Before they were kind of this thing that you needed a special app to scan, but now pretty much every iPhone and Android device can scan a QR code just from just from the camera yeah. app itself. So very, very useful to link to publications without having to put big long URLs on, yeah, on the poster. Yeah, or your profile as well, maybe as well. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that can be quite powerful. Uh, really important tip, print out the poster before sending it to the printing place um, to check out for any kind of spelling mistakes. So you can print it on an A4 size, right? So you, you don't mm. need to print it full size. Um, and you can just, you know, I, I think often uh, proofreading is a little bit easier or things kind of jump out when it's on the paper that you might not have seen on the screen. Yeah. And this just happens to me so many times that it's only when I've printed something that I actually And notice. it's so horrible if it's on a really big format, then you can really see a typo. Exactly. It's, um, and it's, it, yeah, really it's quite obvious. annoying. <laughs> so print it out on A4 or a smaller size to begin with mm -hmm. and then check through that stuff. A very useful tip is also sometimes you can just use an A4 piece of paper to print uh, a sentence or a heading at the font size that's 
it's going to be printed at. And you can just use that single piece of A4 to test whether the mm. font is actually readable and, and kind of what distances it's readable from. Because in the end, you, you don't need to assess the entire poster for readability. You just need to check that the font size that you're using is okay. So you can actually print that font size on a piece of A4 and just use that small piece and put mm. that at different distances to see if that font is readable. Yeah. And that's a quite, very, very easy and cost-effective way of checking the readability of the poster before actually printing the entire thing. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, view the poster on your computer at 100% before sending it to print. This is really important for checking whether any graphics are blurry or things have become slightly pixelated. Um, and I guess the final tip, Julia, and this is one that you only told me, I think it was just yesterday, uh, and I never considered this before, but if you're traveling with a poster, um, there's actually a very handy little life hack for listeners. Right? Yeah, I saw a discussion about that on Twitter. But yeah, so if you're, for example, traveling on a plane and um, these like um, poster, what are they called? Oh, the poster poster tubes, tubes or something that, that can nightmare. be really yeah. uh, big. So actually you can print a poster on fabric and then you can roll it up or fold it up and easily transport in a backpack or in a suitcase. And then uh, if you're maybe staying in a hotel accommodation where they have an ironing um, board, you can just iron it before the That's conference crazy, and it turns yeah. out pretty good. I would love to see like, <laughs> the listeners. Or you can wear it as a t-shirt maybe. Yeah, 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 I'd love to hear from <laughs> listeners who have unraveled their poster and, and is spending time ironing their poster at a conference. That's, that's amazing. Um, let's talk about a final point, which is around piloting. And this yeah. is this is relatively important. Um, really, you know, when you get to the end, you know, show the poster to someone similar, uh, someone, some, someone similar, but from a similar background um, or similar to what who the audience is going to be exactly um, yeah. and and kind of let them talk through what they're seeing right and and ask them what yeah. do you understand from so this yeah because i think often when you ask people um or show them the, the poster there is oh that looks nice but you don't actually know like did they understand the key message of your poster um so i think yeah that's the most um the easiest way just to ask like can you like explain to me what you understood um, in your own words and as you said so if it's someone uh, if you're going to a specialist conference and um, then maybe asking someone in the same field um, that you are to review it um, so an expert as well um, is a good idea but if you're presenting it to people from different backgrounds as you said then I think it's a good idea to find someone who is not in your field um, to get feedback on how user-friendly and clear your poster really is yeah that's, that's and, exactly it. And also, I think you should practice if you're presenting it and maybe pre prepare like a three-minute presentation. That's already quite long, I think, or maybe even shorter if the time is not given by um, the conference that they say, okay, you should present it in five minutes or yeah, so. Yeah, I would, I would argue, yeah, with posters, especially even if they're, if there's just people in a hall and just walking mm. past it, then really... I think like just, 30 seconds to a may, minute. Yeah, is, like a short, a shorter version and then they can yeah. ask follow-up questions if they're interested. Um, and I think it also helps you to see whether really, whether you're using your poster to demonstrate something or is it just that you're just talking and not using your poster anymore, then maybe that's a good indicator that you should change something on your mm. poster where you can actually show or demonstrate something um, to support what you're saying. Because um, otherwise, what's the point of having the post that you're exactly. just duplicating it yeah or that's someone right could just read it so that was a lot of information <laughs> a, a relatively what you think is a relatively simple topic actually there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff to consider mm -hmm. and so use the resources that we have that we will have 
at mm-hmm. howtophd.show. Have a look at Julia and, and mine, uh, mine's uh, poster <laughs> that we um, that we designed. And, and be honest, out. you can criticize yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you think of these posters that we did a few years ago. Yeah. But hopefully, that has now given you a good idea of the of the kind of design process of the of of creating a poster but also the value of kind of thinking through um and and going through this process not only for conferences but also for your entire phd um and helping you to really rethink what are the key messages of my doctorate and getting them across in in a efficient and interesting format so thank you so much for listening to how to phd just a big shout out to all the lovely listeners who have supported us over on Buy Me and Coffee and, and left really heartwarming and inspiring comments. Uh, we've re- received some really incredible ones this week and, and in the weeks before. It's it's yeah, really thanks a lot. Yeah. amazing to read that stuff and it, it makes us so motivated and happy to do the show. Um, and of course, if you're able to support the show on Buy Me a Coffee, then we really do appreciate all of the support. You can also leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. That is also a really helpful way of supporting the show. Uh, of course, if you know of someone who you think could benefit from How to PhD, then please do share this episode with them. Do get in touch. Uh, contact at howtophd.show is our email, Twitter and Instagram at howtophdshow. Uh, and again, huge thanks to jobs.ac.uk for their continued and incredible support uh, sharing our episodes with their with their amazing audience that they have over on their website. Uh, so next week, we're going to be talking about Julia, something that's... Um, it's, it's a little less specific than the episodes that we've done uh, in recent times, but it's really, really important. Mm. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of times when we look on Twitter, you see a lot of negative or, yeah, negative experience and comments on PhDs and people are really struggling sometimes in their PhD. And so this episode is about um, kind of seeing PhD challenges in a more positive way. So hopefully... If you're, if you're not in a good place right now or um, you're starting a PhD and uh, a bit worried about the challenges ahead, hopefully this can like change your mindset about it a little bit. Yes, yeah. So really interesting stuff in, in the next episode and, and of course a really important topic. So thank you again for listening and for the support. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you all next time.